Unfolding the eternal excellences, the hidden insights of the truth and the depth of the riches of wisdom and knowledge. The Bible says, I have cleansed thee by the word. I have not pointed to your weaknesses. He says, I have cleansed thee by the word. I have pointed to your strength. And this is your strength, that I am Christ in you, the hope of glory. The glory of freedom, the glimpses into eternity. The gospel is not supposed to be an assumption. It's not supposed to be just a mere presupposition. Truth is older than language, but the word of God is way deeper than any human language. And now, Apostle Grace with the word. Worship God. Come on, speak in tongues. Change the atmosphere. The atmosphere is changing right now. 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 Hold it, us. If you're sick, if you came in with a wheel, a wheelchair, or if you have a clutch, I want you to raise it up right now. I feel there is power to heal any disease. I feel there is a glory to deliver. Amen. Somebody on my right, you have a heart issue. In fact, a few minutes ago you were praying. You were telling God, heal my heart. God is touching you now. Now. The Prince of God is here. Somebody speaking other tongues. Come on, somebody. Create something. Create something. Masure Bakaya. Zonta Rabakaya Raba. Zurebebe Bobo Sitala. If you're next to somebody and they have a clutch, tell them to walk now. If you're next to somebody and they can't walk, tell them to walk now. If you have a deaf ear, open it. Check it. If you have a broken phone, check it. Somebody watch it go. Your presence is heaven to me. Oh, your presence 
verses 4. If you're there, you say amen. The Bible says, but when the morning was now come, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples knew not that he was Jesus. And then Jesus said unto them, children, have you any meat? Have you any meat? Have you any meat? And they answered him, no. And then he said unto them, cast the net on the right side of the sheep, and you shall find and they cast therefore, and now they were not able to draw it for the multitude of fishes. Therefore the disciple whom Jesus loved said unto Peter, It is the Lord. Now, when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he got his fishers caught unto him, for he was naked and did cast himself into the sea. And the other disciples came in a little ship, for they were not far from land, but as it were two hundred cubits, dragging the net with their fishers. As soon as they were come to the land, they saw a fire of coals there, and fish laid there on and bread. And Jesus, you see, bread, meat and bread, okay? And Jesus said unto them, bring of the fish which you have now caught. Simon Peter went up and drew the net to land full of the great fishes, a hundred and fifty and three. And of all there were so many, yet was not the net broken. And Jesus said unto them, and ayah, something just dropped in my spirit. How that a multitude of them filled that net, yet the net was not broken. <laughs> Ministers understand what I'm saying. How that a multitude <laughs> filled that net, the scriptures say, but the net was not broken. The net was not broken. The net was not broken because nets break. You see, many people don't, okay, we're going to come back there, but many people don't understand. Let me just nip a bud there. Many people don't understand how ministry works, you see. The giftings and callings of God, the Bible says, are without repentance. You understand? If you're called to be whatever you're called to be, if you're gifted in whichever craft the Lord has gifted you, the Bible says they are without repentance. That means God doesn't hold back. He doesn't take back. What does the Amplified say? For God's gifts and his calls are irrevocable. He never withdraws them once they are given. And he does not change his mind about those to whom he gives the grace or to whom he sends his call. You understand? But the biggest misunderstanding many people have with them is that because the giftings and calls are without repentance, they think that the assignment and mandate are without repentance. But I want to correct you. The mandate is and can be revoked. You can stay with your gift and calling but not execute the mandate. You understand? Because the mandate of God is tagged.
to the credibility of divine purpose, not the decision of the man to do. That's why it's important for us to walk our purpose. Because if we refuse, God will raise another. <laughs> God raises another. There's no man in this world who cannot be replaced. Do you understand? Even Jesus replaced himself with us. Are you with me? You understand? He said, it is a good thing that I go. It's good that I go. For if I do not go, listen, it's for your advantage. He knows a counselor will come and he will dwell inside you. And the things that I've done, Jesus is saying, you shall do and more because I go to the Father. There's a decision and distinction placed on his spirit to make sure that he can run this far and let others run too. Say amen. amen. But in the life of ministry, you realize that there are diversities of gifts, operations, you understand, administrations. You're with me. Same spirit. Praise God. That means not everybody is going to minister the same way you minister, administer the same way you administer, operate the same way you operate. You understand? Although the church has failed to understand that. When a man operates differently from Another man, they think that this man is wrong because he's not operating there. Listen, Jesus did come to make photocopies. Are you hearing me? Jesus did not come to make photocopies of Christians. No. He came that every man comes with something distinctive. Contributes it as part of the whole. Praise the Lord. Yet that part is not exalted above the body. Are you with me? How are we together? So now, when these things come in, it's wonderful that these diversities are there. But now we go deeper into the place of the assignments. When the assignments are drawn, there are also classifications in the assignments. Praise God. The assignments of the spirit carry classification. And that is the total sum of a man's message. Praise the Lord. That is why in the Old Testament, you find a prophet saying that the burden of the Lord came to me in a word. <laughs> Praise the Lord. The burden came to a minister. Zechariah speaks of it. Quite a number of prophets says that the burden of the word of the Lord in the land of Hedrach, Damascus, shall be the rest thereof. It comes as a burden. Where the message is not because I'm gifted, but because I carry a burden. When your message shifts from gifts and calling to mandate and assignment, that now is what we call burden. It's a burden if it's an assignment. It's a burden if it's a mandate. Praise God. Praise God. I can teach or preach or minister well simply because I carry the gift. But if it has not shifted into the place of assignment, it will never be a burden. And that is why there are people we plead with to preach the gospel. And there are other men in the same world who war unto them if they preach not the gospel. There are certain people we advise to go and reach out and tell people, please bring people to fellowship. Bring them to the praise of God. Yet there are other people to whom necessity is late. The difference is simple. The burden shifted the men from the giftings and callings and aligned them or realigned them into mandate and assignment. Mandate and assignment is the basis for us to find purpose. Purpose might not be in the gift or the calling. Are you hearing me? I know that your shadow heals, but if it should make you walk through Italy and take you to Rome, yet it was given to you, Peter, to lay the foundation... <laughs> of the gospel to them which are circumcised and to Paul and Barnabas to them which are not circumcised. If you are hung upside down, glory to God because you're hung in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, but you are not supposed to be in Rome. I don't know if you understand what I'm trying to tell you. 
Do you realize that every man who persecuted Paul was not a Gentile? All the persecutors of Paul were Jews. Are you hearing me? Are you hearing me? And the men which killed Peter were Gentiles. They were not Jews. Because it was given to him. It's in Galatians. He says when Peter, James, Cephas, you understand? The Bible says, when they saw the grace that was given unto me, you understand? They gave me and Barnabas the right hand of fellowship that we should go unto the heathen and they to the circumcised. It was to the circumcised. Now the calling and the gift, the shadow, this shadow can take you to Rome. Why? Because you carry a connection with Cornelius, the Italian. Are you hearing me? And sometimes you need the maturity to know that even if I opened up Cornelius' house to the gospel, it's not for me to go in. Paul go. That is why the Bible says that every joint should supply that there are no schisms. The reason why we have divisions in the body of Christ is because we think every door is ours. Every door is ours. Are you hearing me? Every invitation you have to honor. Every door is yours. No, 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 no. Certain doors are not for us. And every minister must have the maturity to know that even though it's open unto me, it's for another man to walk therein. That's called koinonia, the right hand of fellowship. The maturity of the apostolic mantle to know where men ought to end, to commission men where they ought to go because they know it's not to their call to go there, but they don't feel a loss for them not to go because it's mature for them to do that. It's, it's expedient for them to know that this is honorable for this guy to go there because we can't go there and let us go here because we can only go here. And that is why when you get into the assignments, you will meet the fisherman. He tells them, I will make you a fisher of men. That guy, all his years, he was at sea. Are you hearing me? All his business is at sea. Even when Jesus died, immediately when he heard that the Lord had died, he went back fishing. He knows nothing except fishing. And that's the place where God says, okay, the very reason why I have to raise Paul in Tarsus, Cilicia, because I'll need him to go to the Gentiles and he must understand Greek. And there's a place where they must persecute him and he must stand in the guise and mind that he is a Roman citizen. You understand? Or oh, the reason why I have to raise Moses in Egypt, that he'll grow up in the wisdom of the Egyptians and their language, that when I send him back, he knows what to speak. Likewise, likewise, I need to raise a fisherman because the way he's dealing with fish is the way he's going to deal with people to come in. But look at this place. The man brings in fish. Praise God. And they come in. Hallelujah. But that's all he knows to do. The anointing on him is to bring in fish. Are you hearing me? He'll stand on a crusade and get a thousand people uh, saved. Or a million people saved. But that's it. Are you hearing me? At that point there's a maturity for him to say look. When I brought in the fish. There's a place where I didn't have the ability to articulate the fullness of the things that are expedient. And I have a clue of these things. And he says, for you know the long suffering of our Lord Jesus. For the end to it is salvation. Of which the very things our brother Paul preaches. Things that he speaks in his different epistles. Things that are hard. Things which men are unlearned and unstable. Twist and they rest with. Like they do the other scriptures for their own destruction. What does the next verse say in 17? And he says, ye therefore, beloved, seeing you know these things before, beware lest you also be led away in the air of the wicked and fall from your steadfastness. And he says, but grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus, our Savior, Christ, to him be glory both now and forever. But I have a claim that even though I'm a fisherman, I can bring in fish as a hundred 
there is a guy who just knows how to keep those tents. And the Bible tells us that Paul was, was a tent maker. <laughs> the fish come in, they make a tent. And he starts to plant. You never see in the scriptures Paul doing an evangelistic meeting. Like Peter. Peter, he can speak for a few minutes and 3,000 guys come to Christ. Immediately after he has spoken in tongues. Because there is something on him as a man who is a fisherman. He's a fisherman. He's a fisherman. He brings them in. But Peter has to have the ability and maturity to know that even if I bring them in, I might not have the ability to build the tent. There is a tent maker. If this guy is in, I'm okay. Even the tent maker knows that he can plant, but he needs a certain guy to water sometimes because he's too busy watching out the tent. Are you hearing me? So you see Paul in the tents. He starts to teach the church. And that's why many Christians are not acquainted to Romans, Corinthians, Thessalonians. You caught any of those things. They're indifferent to it. Why? Because when the fish left the water, they never went into the tent. The fisherman made a tent. I don't know that you understand what I'm saying. What business does a fisherman have to make a tent when God has called him to make nets? I don't know that you understand what I'm trying to tell you. There are many, many fishermen who for the excitement of the numbers that have come in don't have the humility to let Paul build tents. They also want to build the tent. And then, there's this special guy called James. The Bible calls him mends. He was a net mender. He could mend. In other words, he can show you that this is where the mistake is for you to get in as many. <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> he, he was a mender <laughs> of the net to make sure that sometimes the net can catch too much, but can we heal it? Well, it caught too much and brought in too much and it broke. Can we find a way of making sure that this doesn't go out? They have a part two in the gospel. They have a part two in the gospel. You get it? But you see, sometimes the reason why even the church is not growing, I hope you understand what I'm saying. <laughs> the reason why the church is the way it is is because many men are switching, they are playing the wrong roles. And they can't admit that they are playing the wrong role. Any man who does what God called him to do will see success in what God called him to do. Sometimes it's not the devil. Sometimes you're refusing man of God because you're excited with the lights. Praise God. <laughs> Praise the Lord Jesus. And that is why the maturity of the man in the tent is simple. To present all men perfect in Christ. Not to, you understand? <laughs> to present all men perfect in Christ, not to Christ. <laughs> now again, there's another problem there. Because some men build tents and they become the watchmen and police of presenting men perfect to Christ instead of presenting men perfect in Christ. So the end thereof now is the men perfecting men to Christ without the in Christ experiences of these men. And then you ask yourself why there are people who attend church every day, but they are ever learning, but never coming to the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Why? Because we are not doing what God exactly called us to do. God has not called me to perfect you to Christ. You're not my primary responsibility to perfect you to Christ. No. The Bible says ye are complete in him. Before you became Baptist, Pentecostal, Methodist, whatever. He says, and ye are complete in him. Which is the word? 
the head of all principality and power. To him be glory and honor forever. So my part in you is not to present you perfect to Christ. I'm not saying, now let me wash you. And he say, ah, Jesus, see, I've perfected them. So what's Jesus' work? And that's why when you preach the message of grace, many people become indifferent to it because for so long they've built the wrong way. Don't even take me where I didn't want to go. If you want to push me there, I'll go there. Do you want me to go there? Let me show you something. <laughs> Let's open something in Romans. Let me show you something in Romans. I think 12. I'd not planned to go there, but let me go there for some of you who, who want to enjoy the gospel. Oh, this word is working in me. It is working in me. In the name of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Read verse 1. Romans 12, verses 1. Give me the message version. Read in the message. Read the message. This is the problem. The Bible says, here is what I want you to do. God helping you. God helping you. I don't plan to go there, but let me go there for some of you. Take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, your eating, going to work, walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for Him. The best thing you can do for God is not what you can do for Him. The best thing you can do for Him is to embrace what He's doing for you. And in your life. The essence of his grace is the understanding that the author and the finisher of your faith, Jesus Christ, is working in you every day, both to will and to do according to his good pleasure. I cannot interrupt that business. My role is not to present you perfect to Christ. My role is to present you perfect in Christ. Because to Christ, you're perfect. I don't know whether you understand what I'm trying to tell you. Now, the essence of the word that comes out is just there to put you in the place where you need to know who you are. Period. I don't make you. Christ made you. My business is just to, by fine print, to show in black and white who you are. Who you already are. Hallelujah. So that your simplest ministry on earth is to embrace. Embrace what God is doing in you. See, the challenge with the law is that it doesn't give room for a man to embrace what God is doing in their lives. No. It only creates the impression to the man to labor to do to God. So people are living an ever consistent downward spiral of doing things for a God who wants to do things for them. And at the end of the day, you're at your end and you realize you did too much for him for him to do in you. You have to allow God to fill you. You have to allow him to speak to you. You go in the presence of God and only say, in Jesus' name, you go out. By the time he wants to speak, you're already out. Because we have raised the culture of impressing it upon the men to minister to God more than he ought to minister to them. Listen, he loved you before you first loved him. And that is why we have men like the Bible calls Ephraim, the man which is half-baked. And they tarry at the place where men have to give birth and they stay longer there. Why? Because in their life of ministry, it's not God baking them. It's what they are doing to bake themselves. 
I don't know that you get what I'm saying. It's, it's what they are doing to back themselves. It's not what God is doing. Listen, no bread should break, it, should break itself. It needs a baker. You understand? Imagine clay. You see? Clay. Molding itself. Oh no, the Bible says we are the circumcision of the spirit. You don't say we circumcise only, but we are. Now imagine a man circumcising himself. You have to allow God to work in you. Tell your neighbor, you have to allow God to work in you. Praise God. Praise God. So, again, now the challenge of the tent. I can understand that James mends the net huh? for Peter. So many come in. But who repairs the tent? <laughs> who repairs the tent? Who should pull Paul in order <laughs> in case he went funny? If I go there, you, I will not preach what I came to preach. <laughs> no. John 21, where were we? <laughs> so, now do you understand where I come from? When I read it, the moment I read it, I said, wow. I imagine the overflow of the abundant grace of God in your business, your ministry. Somebody say amen. amen. Your life. Amen. But yet the tent is not breaking. The net is not breaking. That's mine. I receive it. That's mine. Get a hold of it. Get a hold of it. That's mine. My tent will increase. My net will increase. But oh, it will not break. It will not break. My business will increase in the name of Jesus, but it will not break. Your marriage will increase in the name of Jesus, but it will not break. Your associations will increase in the name of Jesus, but they will not break. Revelation will increase in the name of Jesus, but it will not break. That's my portion. See, it's one thing to increase and break. Then they say, wow, he was a great minister, but Lord, he ended badly. I refuse to end that. Refuse it now. Praise God. The Bible says, Simon Peter went up and drew the net to the land full of great fishes, and a hundred and fifty and three, for all were so many, yet was not the net broken. And Jesus said unto them, Come and dine, and none of the disciples dashed ask him, Who art thou, knowing that it was the Lord? Jesus then cometh and taketh bread and giveth them and fish likewise. And this now is the third time that Jesus showed himself to the disciples after he was risen from the dead. Now here is the added issue. I always ask myself, how can I walk with a man for three years? He dies for three days. And the next day, after three days, he's asking, have you eaten? And I can't even recognize him. I don't know that you understand what I'm saying. The Bible doesn't say his nose changed. The Bible says that doesn't say that his eyes changed. No. No. But the Bible says that John looked at him and he knew 
He knew, praise God, he knew that this was Jesus. The word there is Edo. He got the understanding. He perceived that this is Jesus. He, he tells Peter, Peter had not yet understood. Praise God. He tells him this, it is the Lord. Peter, it is the Lord. And the Bible says, and, and, and none of them dared to ask him who he was because they now understood that he was the Lord. Now I ask again. I'm on sheep, I'm coming to dock, and I'm seeing a man I've seen for three years. And Lord, he asks me, children, have you had any meat? And they say no. <laughs> Let's continue the next verse, verse 6. And he said unto them, cast the net on the right side of the sheep, and you shall find. They cast therefore, and now they were not able to draw it for the multitude of the fishes. Praise God. Therefore the disciples whom Jesus loved said unto Peter, after the catching of the fish, it is the Lord. <laughs> now when Simon had it, what did he do? Put on his clothes and right now, three years, you're doing miracles with the man, you're healing the sick with the man, you're doing every kind of thing with him. They see you with him. You protect him from the multitudes. Even a woman with a bleeding issue has to cut through you. Trouble is not the master. Are you hearing me? When he's with you, he's expounding the scriptures every day. And the Bible says, all these things spake Jesus unto the multitudes in parables. And without a parable, spake he not unto them. He was speaking parables. He gets 12 guys off. And the Bible says, but when he was alone with his disciples, he expounded. Because it was given to them to know the mysteries of heaven. He's healing the sick, they're watching. He's raising the dead, they're watching. They even start to cast out devils. In his name. And that is why they had a problem when certain devils could not leave. That means that they had the ability to cast out devils. There's also another guy on a certain island who doesn't walk with them, but he also casts out devils. Oh, yeah. That's another one also. <laughs> because the person doesn't come from your fellowship. They don't come from your umbrella. Therefore, they are not of God. Ah, you're going to be shocked. God is teaching men in bathrooms. God is teaching men in, 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 in the forests. He's teaching them. God is teaching them everywhere. The student in taxis is teaching. The student on Martin border borders is teaching. Listen, get ready to be surprised. The shepherds, the Bible says, ate the sheep. They didn't eat the grass of the sheep. They ate the sheep. And God said, now I shall be the shepherd. Now we are in a place where men on the pulpit are weighed by men who are off the pulpit. Not because the men off the pulpit are proud, but because the men on the pulpit have forgotten to know the difference and have become too indifferent of the ministry of Christ. The men which sit at meat, now listen to men which minister milk. Don't get me wrong. It doesn't mean that they should dishonor the minister. But it also means that we still have questions. Some of men of God, you, sometimes we can't even put on television. Not because we don't want to see Christian television. But because it's hard. It's hard to, to hear a man giving milk. To a man who has eaten meat. I don't know that you understand what I'm saying. 
We didn't ask him to take us there, but he did. You didn't ask him to take you there, but he did. See, this was prophecy. In the last days, knowledge shall increase. It means whether you want it or not, our children are going to be deeper than us. Whether you want it or not, your sons are going to, I mean, already you have, you have two children, you understand what I'm saying. Children are growing at a speed you can't understand. Are you hearing me? I asked God the same prayer David prayed. He said that now also when I'm old, oh gray-headed, oh God, forsake me not until I have shown thine power and strength unto this generation and thy power to everyone that is to come. I need the relevance that can make me deep even in front of my children. That even my children's children should hear me and say, no, this guy knows God. It's a prayer. It's a prayer. Why? Because David foresaw through the eyes of the spirit that a time is going to come where men will know too much. For one of the south, the Bible says, comes to judge this generation. Why? Because she moved kilometers and miles away to listen to the wisdom of Solomon. Yet one with greater wisdom is come. And they tell you they are not attending service because they have a headache. I'm going to pray because I'm... <laughs> You can't, you're not praying because you have a headache? <laughs> listen, do you think, listen, do you think headache can leave you when it realizes that if it has you, you can't pray? <laughs> Learn to fight. He says, ah, I'm sorry, I didn't pray. I have a stomachache. The day you feel stomachache is the day you must pray. Say <laughs> so that the devil records it in hell and says, no, look. This one cannot fail to pray because of headache. <laughs> it's not his class. It's not his class. It's... See, you have to deal with the devil that way. You have, to, you have to get to a place where he knows you. Where he knows you. Some time back, a pain came on my body. It just came. And then I laughed. <laughs> You understand? I laugh. I say, ha, 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 ha. And it was coming from my heart. It wasn't a fake laughter. And after like 20 seconds of laughter, I told the devil, what are you doing? <laughs> what are you doing? You understand? Now, do you think that what you're making me feel can make me think that I'm sick? You don't have apostle grace. Come on. You have to get at that level where you tell the devil, listen, this is an old, come on, do you think that at this level you can make me feel to accept that I'm sick? I, I don't walk by sight. I walk by faith. I told him you're joking, boss. I put on my clothes. By the time I was done putting on shoes, I was fine. And then I laughed more that he could think that he could tempt me that way. <laughs> Tell your neighbor, I know who I am. I'm a child of God. 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 There are things I have to say no to. I just have to say no. I don't know about you, but me, no. No me. Not me. Not now. No. No. Praise God. Hallelujah. Praise God. I love... You, you, some of you have read about Smith Wigglesworth. He says he, he, he treats the devil like a dog. You understand? That's how he used to. He, would, he, he used to bark. He, he would find a cancer on a man and bark. 
One time Smith Wiggles was, they brought a sick child on the pulpit. He kicked the kid. Boom! Sickness is far away. By the time the kid landed, it's on record, the kid was healed. Don't kick children. <laughs> Don't kick children. I'm only telling you some people are crazy. He had gallstones. You heard this story. And he told them, no surgeon will touch me. No knife, no human knife can operate me. <laughs> he refused. They left on their own. But it's a choice. It's a choice. <laughs> Faith is a choice. It's a choice. It's a choice. Me, I told people, many of you say you have faith because you've never been tested, really tested. Your test stations are flu and cough. Oh God, as in a place boss, oh my goodness. Then they bring a crippled guy and they say, you said God healed. <laughs> then they put him there. And they say, if he walks, we shall accept your Lord. That, that's, that's, that's trial of faith. <laughs> so if you've not passed there, you're still dealing with flu. <laughs> Even vitamin C can do it, praise God. But it's faith <laughs> coming into your body. It can get out flu. From faith to faith, say amen. That's my portion, that's yours, say amen. From faith to faith. So I'll say, three years I'm with a guy, he's doing miracles, we are watching. He's doing signs, we are watching. He's doing wonders, we are watching. He breathes on us, you understand? He, lay, he does everything on us, we are watching. We even learn to do it. And the man disappears. And after three days, they can't identify him. Let me show you another one in Luke. Luke chapter 24. There are two men, the disciples. The Bible speaks of two disciples he met, right? And the Bible says, and let's begin from 27. Bible says, in the beginning of Moses and all the prophets, who Jesus was working with them, he expounded and to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. And they drew nigh unto the village whither they went and, him, and he made as though he would have gone farther. But they constrained him, saying, um, Abide with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is first spent. And he went to tarry, and he went in to tarry with them. And it came to pass as he sat at meat with them, he took bread and blessed it and break and gave to them and their eyes were open and they knew him. Now the word there is not a, a door, it's a, a pignos. You understand? A pignosis. And they knew him. Are you hearing me? And he vanished out of their sight. The moment you see, when it was a door, the experience of just understanding that it's him, he didn't vanish. He ate bread with them. But when he gets to a point where he breaks bread and epignosis comes to their spirits. The Bible says he vanishes. Meaning you don't need to see me in the flesh anymore if you carry epignosis. Why could they walk with Jesus, the disciples earlier, like I told you, for three years and they couldn't understand him when he resurrects after three days? Simple. The Lord told me this. He told me that the resurrected Christ can only be revealed. He can't be taught without revelation. He can't be preached without revelation. He can't be prophesied without revelation. The resurrected Christ can only be revealed. 
If a man is not walking in a relationship with the Christ out of revelation, that man has not yet understood the life of salvation. Or even worse, he's not yet born again. Because salvation is the experience of understanding the resurrected life through the spirit of revelation. What does Paul say in Galatians 1.11? Galatians. He says, but I certify to you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached of me is not after man, but neither received it of man, neither was I taught it, but by the revelation of Jesus Christ. When Jesus is revealed, bam! That's it. The only challenge is that we train men from childhood to discipleship class to ministerial class they are committed as ministers from calling to commission without the revelation of Jesus Christ but with a theological understanding of Christ so Christ becomes a job like any other profession studied in the university not a person with whom they can relate with Go to Europe, you'll understand what I'm saying. Men are paid to study theology. They teach theology class like teachers who are teaching art and mathematics and philosophy. They can teach you so well, but they can't show you so well. <laughs> are you hearing me? Sometimes that's the problem with elites, people. They, sometimes the education we have, it exposes us to too much to the thought that because we think we know what is preached or taught, therefore we think Christ is revealed. Let me give you an example. I have read several books of men who are in the occult and I've watched a few of them on television. And my fascination with their life is one thing. You see, there are people who don't even who even the way the devil dealt with them they really don't, didn't go far. You understand? But I've read about men. And um, I saw a certain guy recently on television. And he was giving his life. I mean, an account of his life in the occult. Are you hearing me? And he said that the day he stood before the devil, he knew that it was the devil. <laughs> Nobody told him. He just knew. You understand? He knew. That he was the devil. And he went into a commitment to sign contracts upon contracts with different legions of devils just to be what he had to be. You understand? But God, to get him out of that world, to bring him to salvation, he says it also began through Christ revealing himself <laughs> to him. So he started to have two wars of what Christ is telling him Versus what he sees in the other world. He started to live in two worlds at a go. You understand? And then in the, in the documentary, the woman asked him, curious, a Christian woman asked him, curious, can you weigh for us the difference between the power of Satan and the power of God? Which is an error. Because if Jesus said that all power and authority is given to me, how can you now say that the devil has power? You see, that's why even Christians lose battles in the spirit. We are breaking down the powers. Listen, how can you break powers? Power. Listen, all oh, they read principalities and powers. They think principalities and powers. They think it's dunamis. No, what the devil has are tricks, wiles. 
Put on the armor of God that you might be able to withstand the wiles of the enemy. So the enemy has compared with me the power of the devil and the power of Jesus. Because I think she expected maybe that the guy would say that this is how powerful Jesus is. And he said, simply, he made a statement and says, incomparable. <laughs> you can't compare. He said, you can't compare Jesus and the devil. You can't. And she asked him why. And she said, it's because of who he is. It's because of who he is. Listen, he appears to Moses and Moses asked him, what? Who right should I tell him you are? Because I think Moses had a concept that maybe I'm going to also put him about the classifications of the gods. That the wise men of that time should also classify and say, ah, this one comes by fire. The other one. No, he says, you tell him, I am. I am. That I am. Because how can you define God to a man who doesn't know him? Just when you tell him, I am, that I am. That's how God is. Now, here is the challenge. Here is the challenge. That sometimes it's okay when we have to share who Christ is and men are excited about how to come out of a situation X and go into a situation Y. All of that is wonderful. I agree and it's wonderful. But how be it that men don't fully relate with the Christ according to his revelation? According to his revelation. You'd be so shocked how much carnality is in the body of Christ. But it is all coming out as the revelation of Jesus Christ. Who is Jesus? If you ask a Christian, who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? You see, when the Bible says that all the ways of man seem rightful, it means that every man thinks they know Jesus. But here is an example, typical, of men who are with him for three years and more. And after those years, after three days of disappearing, they couldn't know. That this was the guy. You realize he needs the elements. The bread and meat. Both accounts. Bread and meat. Do you understand? And that is why they can't understand the fourth dimension. <laughs> Are you hearing me? They understand the height of his love. The width of his love. The breadth of his love. <laughs> but the depth. Any engineer, architect, they understand these three dimensions, but ask them about how deep. You see? You realize that there's also another calculation. You understand? What's deep determines how high? Help me. What's deep determines how high? Do you understand what I'm saying? So when you start to go fourth dimensional, and then you start to say, okay, now let's define the depths. Of God. And, and the man simply tells you no. <laughs> By his knowledge, all depths are broken. And you ask yourself, how mean is he? <laughs> how mean is he that the knowledge of him breaks depths? Simple. Because there's a knowledge in God that just launches a man deep to break that level of depth into another level of depth. <laughs> And to break that level of depth into another level of depth. And to break that level of depth into another level of depth. That can only determine how high this man can go. It doesn't matter how high a man goes. If his depths are not really broken so deep. It's only a matter of time. That's why I tell one time I was telling a minister, a friend of mine. I told him, look. 
If you build your ministry on truth, it doesn't matter how many lies men say about you, you will never break. But build it on lies. <laughs> the day truth comes, <laughs> either from a man in the pulpit, whichever with truth comes, you're in trouble. And that's why it's important to build on truth. It's important to build on truth. It's important to build on truth. When you're on truth, you don't worry what people say. No. When you're on truth, you don't worry what people write. No, because you know who you are. You know who you are. God will take care of it. One time I got troubled about a Christian. I said, God, why is this Christian doing this? And God said, look, Grace, you know how you built. You know how you built. I'll take care of that. I, that was it. We closed it with Jehovah God. We closed that chapter. He said, you've got to take care of that. You understand? That's his business. And that is why no Christian should be found fighting another Christian. No. If you're building on truth, you don't fight. You don't fight. You don't fight. Why? Because you know where you come from. Are you hearing me? You know the foundation. You know. Now, when we determine depths, are you hearing me? And that is why when Paul is speaking about that spirit, he, he, he refers to him as one which reveals the bottomless things. Because he's, he's trying to draw the church to depth. The psalmist says we love simplicity. How long shall we love simplicity? He says, God has unveiled and revealed them by those things through his spirit. Things eye has not seen, ear has not heard, and has not entered the hearts of men. For the Holy Spirit, the Bible says, such as diligently exploring and examining everything, even sounding the profound and bottomless things of God, the divine counsels and the things hidden beyond any man's scrutiny. That means there are things in God no man can scrutinize. That's why I don't debate the gospel. Because there are places in God you can't debate. You cannot debate. I see Christians debating all the time. You see, and that is why this generation is going to change something. If we get a Muslim, an unbeliever, a heathen, and then we all stand in front of people to articulate reason. No, let me leave that to the apologetic and not in the platform where his doctrines are debated, but in a platform where he's given the right to speak to men who are open-minded. But to a man whose spirit is closed, he's Muslim, he's heathen, he's an unbeliever, they've come to debate Jesus. We, we simply can't debate depth or the revelation of Christ. Are you hearing me? No. The moment they bring them, they say, now let us know which God is God. I ask them, let's bring a dead man. Let's not debate. Bring. We've got men out of mortuary. So I know what I'm talking about. I'm not talking of when they're a bit warm. No, I'm talking of the man when they're really cold. And they confirm and say, no, this one is cold. We put them there. Muslim pray. After he's done, he then go. After he's done, there you go. Everybody after the sense then. Coming like Elijah. <laughs> you saw how that guy did it. <laughs> he said, maybe he's not hearing you. Shout a bit louder. He knew his God couldn't allow fire to come from heaven. He knew. Then after that, the stage was his. You can't compare. Thank you. You can't compare. Which God? Who is God? The word God, Hindu. No, we can't compare. You dare them. Even if you've never made a lame man walk, tell them simple. Let's not debate. Bring a lame guy. 
whoever makes them walk, they are God. I've seen magicians all my life, but they don't bring dead men to life. I've seen all kinds of magicians, all kinds of occults on TV, but none of them makes them men walk. Why? Because it's a different thing. It's incomparable. It's the life of God. Zoe! So, the challenge now is if we cannot get intimately and acquainted to him, through, that's why when he's praying for the church, he honestly, he says, I never cease to pray for you, Paul in prayers. I never cease to pray for you. That the Lord God of our Lord and Savior Jesus might grant unto you a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Christ that the eyes of your understanding flooded with light you will know what is the hope of your calling, what are the glorious riches of inheritance of the saints, what is the exceeding greatness of power that is at work within you, the same that he wrote when he raised Christ. Why? Because he's revealed. If he's not revealed, he's not personal yet. He's not personal yet. Let's talk about experiences for a moment. Christ can lead a man anywhere and those are experiences. But there's a point where Christ becomes the experience. Are you hearing me? Where it becomes eternal life? To know the one true God and his only son, Jesus. The place where when God comes into your soul, all that just kills you and puts you to your knees is who he is. It's just who he is. I told people certain Christians are living the way they are because they don't, they've not seen God. That's why they fight each other. Because they've not really seen God. God is love. God is love. Are you hearing me? Now, the place of the person of the revelation of Jesus Christ for me has always been the ultimate line and conviction. Because let me tell you. Let me share this. When Christ becomes your experience, the gospel stops to be what you read every morning to become a better Christian or because you love Jesus. The gospel becomes an experience of the revelation of Christ. So Paul says, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is power minded what? To save. Somewhere in Romans. He says, for therein is the righteousness of God, not thereby. The, the gospel Men don't see the righteousness of Christ by. They see the righteousness of Christ in. He says, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth. The Jew first and also the Greek. For therein, therein, when you're inside the experience, is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. And before you know that, the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, start to align to your spirit staring into your soul the most holy experiences that when you say God is righteous you don't say it because you read it you understand righteousness from deep within like I told people one time that for example when I say words like God is faithful I don't speak faithfulness from, from, from a song no the faithfulness I'm talking about are the things he has ministered to me that affirm and confirm every day what he can be to me when the whole world is against me. He's faithful. Or even when I'm against myself. 
There's a part I read one time in the message version. It says, for God has invested too much in you to let you go. See, at the mind of those experiences, my mind is drawn to the things he has invested in me because you see, that is the pattern. <laughs> so we're not talking about repudiation. God has been too long involved with Israel. He has too much invested to simply wash his hands of them. That's why I know I'll go to heaven. He's put too much in me. Listen, he, he made a commitment to his righteous. And he says, for he shall never let his righteous to see corruption, nor his soul to rot in hell. When you're the Lord's righteous, he cannot allow you to see certain things. He cannot. He cannot. He cannot let his righteous see corruption. Neither his soul rot in hell. Yes, for thou will not leave my soul in hell. Neither will I suffer thine holy one to see corruption. God can't suffer me. Okay, put your name there. To see corruption. But you see, he's talking of men to whom he has invested into. By the spirit of revelation. You see, let me explain something before I finish. The oracles of God eh, are simply for declaration. Are you hearing me? To men who, if exposed in higher realms, can see from the mountain and carry understanding. Or to men which are still below the mountain to require expounding. And when the expounding takes place, then is the beginning of impartation says that I might I come to you that I might impart into you some spiritual end that in the, some spiritual thing that in the end you might be established the word therefore in the end you might be established that you might be realigned to a particular course of destiny some spiritual thing is charismatos I come that I might create a certain miraculous faculty in your life because that will align you to a particular course of your destiny whoever ministers to you whichever way they minister to you has a ripple effect on the course you're following in his life are you hearing me? Now, when that impartation comes into your spirit, are you hearing me? Then the life of the spirit is made known to you in a different dimension, epignosis. You understand? That advanced knowledge as well causes you to minister and make known these things to others. Apocalypsis. The place where we unveil what is hid from the rest not necessarily from us because the eyes of our spirit are enlightened and flooded with light to know what is the hope of our calling the exceeding greatness of power now our ministry then is to show men and that's why Paul says and to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery so apocalypse is the place where we unveil and say hey this is here look at it we make it known when we make it known to them they conceive it carry the impartation and now manifested from the spirit world to the physical. That word is funeral, making manifest. Genesis. So we're not just preaching to you. We know what we're doing. Our ministry primarily to you is simple. That if we can get, not that these things are not visible. They are visible. But to certain men with understanding. 
Now my pain is this. Somebody says, I read the Bible, I don't understand it. I pray, I don't see God. I do this and I fast. Why is everything happening to me this way? Simple, Christ is not revealed to you. You just know him loosely like any other person. Accept him, ah, Jesus, I accept you as my Lord and Savior. Now you're born again. Go for discipleship class. But who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? That's why when Paul goes to experiences, he says, for I'll not go to experiences. He begins that way. You understand? Because he doesn't want a boasting in experiences. He carries a qualification in the Christ he has revealed enough for men to know that he has walked with him. You see, there's a maturity when a man has the ability to demonstrate, are you hearing me? Or qualify himself and vindicate himself by the experiences the Spirit has vindicated to through him, for I would rather not do the things save which Christ has wrought in me to make the Gentiles both obedient in word and deed. And if you have to take him to 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 revelation, he says, if we have to go there, I know of a man. You understand? But you see, the challenge with him in that scripture is simple. He says, if you give me the amplified, he says. This man was caught up into paradise and he had utterances beyond the power of man to put into words which no man is permitted to say. Now, in that regard, he can't get the church in Corinth to tell them things no man is permitted to say. He ought to be spirit, to minister to spirit. And how be to the wise, he says, we impact these things. We can't speak them. Now, to the simplicity of faith, he has to write letters that therein you will know he says boldly, therein you will know that he knows the Lord. And he says, need, need we to commend ourselves? Do we need bigger letters for your commendation? Look at what the gospel is doing in your life. You'll approve us. He says, for you are a written epistle, known and read by all men. The gospel has placed you in a place where every man in this world reads you, even before they know you. And he says, and now you are manifestedly the epistle. In other words, there is manifestation in your life. If you need to qualify a man, look at what is happening in the people he ministers to. He might not dare to talk of experiences, but if he has to go experiential, he might need to speak things that are not lawful. That means he requires certain laws to submit a certain message to men to understand. There are things only spiritual men. That's why Paul says, I became all things to all men that I might save some. To them which are weak as weak, to them which are plain as plain, to them which are wise as wise. But the place where now certain things can only be imparted by just looking at the man or speaking to them. Why? Because the experience they've had in God is just enough to qualify them. They need not to speak much. Words, they are not enough. That's why the disciples, after walking with him, they say, did not our hearts burn? No man can do that. No man can do that. No man can do that. He says, did not our hearts burn when he talked with us, while we walked with him? They, when, when he was speaking, there was something inside their soul telling them there's something in this man. It's different. It's, it's not usual. That's why he said, look, their hearts burn. And that is why he speaks of that wisdom that is not of this world. The amplification text tells it there. He says, this wisdom 
by this wisdom. He says, we start up into our ears the most holy emotions. Let's read it. My language, this is Paul, my language and my message were not set forth in persuasive, enticing, and plausible words of the wisdom, of wisdom, but they were in the demonstration of the spirit and power. Listen, a proof by the spirit and power of God. Listen, operating on me and staring in the minds of my hearers the most holy emotions and that's persuading them that means men who are persuaded by holy emotions are different from men who are persuaded by the wisdom of this world it's different I want to sit somewhere and feel a guy speaking and I say no Jesus is speaking to me through this guy that I don't do things because I want to but I've even learned the maturity to hand over my hand to another he says, when you were young, you went where thou wilt. He says, but when thou art old, now thou shalt guard you and take you whither thou wouldest not. <laughs> That's the place of submission and accountability. Can I tell you the one greatest blessing for my life, and I thank God every day, Jesus Christ of Nazareth, the one you know, I can tell you this for a testimony and this the heavens no one can approve. He has gone past appearances to me because I don't know him by Edo. I've understood him by epignosis. He doesn't need to appear in the body for me to know his presence. When he's around, I know. I know. You understand? I can, even if I just say my point and then I point like this and I say, I'm pointing at her now. I can release an anointing just by pointing at her. Why do you say she's crying? You understand? Because you, I don't need to. No. No. That power operating on me, on me. Are you hearing me? On me. See, Jesus is not supposed to be, oh, no, he's, he's inside us. Do you understand where I'm coming from? Now, when you get to that, see, when, when they are at bread and meat, he realizes that when the bread is broken, expounding mystery, <laughs> and meat is eaten, the lines of depth, first dimensional. He says, I don't need to appear in the flesh. I don't need to appear in the flesh. Now, as the man who says, well, I have an experience where Jesus appeared. He has appeared to me many times in the flesh. But only in the times when I need to, when my faith is small. Many times he has appeared in the flesh. Only when my faith is small. But when my faith is high, I don't need him to appear in the flesh to know he's there. No. There are things he speaks and I know this can only be Christ. It's not my brain. Herein is the spirit. And he says, he shall teach you all things and remind you that which you have forgotten. And that same anointing, he says, he shall teach you to abide. You see that primary line? The, the, the anointing that abides in you. The Bible says, abides in you permanently. And he says, and you need not that any man teach you, but as the same anointing teaches you of all things, and it's true, and it's not like, even as he has taught you, you shall abide in him. So there's a reciprocal kind of experience whereas the man is to the Lord the Lord is to the man so that kind of experience there is no way you can be out of the presence of God 
Because the very one in whom you abide teaches you to abide in him. And when you get into that experience, you'll be shocked. Jesus will speak to you every day. It won't be on a special occasions. This generation is not supposed to believe God for visitations. Jesus doesn't want to visit us. Ever present help in time of need. He said, I will never leave you. I want, I'm in a place where Jesus has to appear. Listen, has to be with me, has to speak to me, has to minister to me every day, every time of my life. That's the love of God. That Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. That you being deeply and rooted and grounded in love that you may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth, what is the length, what is the depth, and what is the height, and to know the love of Christ which passes all knowledge that you might be filled. Give me the amplified, give me the amplified. He says, may Christ through your faith actually dwell, settle down, abide, make his permanent home, not visitation on Sunday or on Tuesday God visited me. No, that you may dwell in your home, permanent home in your hearts. May you be rooted deep in love, founded securely on love, that you may have the power and be strong to apprehend and grasp with all the saints, God's devoted people, the experience, 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 experience of that love. What is the breadth and length and height and depth of it? That you may really come to know practically through experience for yourselves the love of Christ which far surpasses mere knowledge without experience that you may be filled through all your being with all the fullness of God that you may have the richest measure of the divine presence and become a body wholly filled flooded with God himself speak to God How can I describe that love?
definition of you. Of you. Come on, tell him. Take a minute. Take a minute. Take a minute. Just take a minute. Just take a minute. To sing this song with me. Every crown, every word, lay it down.
because something in our life changes. We bless you, God. We bless you, God. Reveal yourself to us, God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. If you're here and you've never given your life to Christ, I don't deny you an opportunity. Just stretch up your hand and we lead you into a confession prayer. If you want to be born again and you're not born again and you want to become born again, put up your hand and we lead you in a confession prayer. Is there anybody? Is there anybody? You're not born again and you're here. Yes, I've seen a hand there. Is there anybody? I've seen another. Is there anybody? Yes. For those of you who have put on your hands, repeat these words after me. Say, Lord Jesus, I believe in my heart. And I confess with my mouth that you died and rose again. I now accept you as the Savior and the Lord of my life. Amen. The message you have just heard was brought to you by Fenero Ministries International. For more information, contact us on telephone number 041-466-4291 or email us at fenerocompala at gmail.com. You can also find us on the web at www.fenero.org. Or better still, feel free to join us every Thursday for our weekly fellowships at Uma Multipurpose Hall from 5 p.m. to 8 p.m. You can also catch the live stream at livestream.com slash Fenero. Fenero, make manifest.